Hello everybody and welcome to Charts with Dan. As you can see, I am once again not in my usual setup. We are here in Los Angeles. I'm here for the HCA, the Hollywood Critics Association Awards, which are happening tonight. If you want to check them out, you can follow us on HCA Critics. I'm very excited to be taking part in the show, but that also means I have to kind of rush through today's show because I want to make sure that I get it out before we have to start getting ready and go to the show. So we're going to jump right into the weekend box office. We're going to take a little bit of a look also at the potential for what the Batman is going to do coming up this weekend. As always, I want to thank my friends here at Carbon Health for being a partner on the show. You've seen their name and heard their name for the past several weeks, and I'm very happy to be partnered up with them. They are committed to a mission of making healthcare accessible and affordable for as many people as possible. You can download the Carbon Health app, see if there is a Carbon Health location near you. They provide all kinds of medical services, including COVID-19 vaccination and COVID-19 testing. Hopefully, we're on the back end. We certainly are of this latest variant, and I'm hoping there are no more to come. You can always hope, right? Uh, but Carbon Health, I, I really appreciate what they're trying to do, and they've been a great partner for me here on the show, and I want to thank them, as always, for being a part of Charts with Dan. I also want to thank one of today's sponsors, which is Stamps.com. You know, people talk about small businesses, but those businesses are anything but small to the people who run them. I guess you could technically count this channel as its own kind of small business, and Stamps.com is the perfect partner for somebody who's looking for help on that front because Stamps.com provides you all the accesses and services of both the post office and UPS right from your computer. Time is money when you're running your own business. You don't have time to make all these repeated trips to the post office or to the UPS store to drop things off. With stamps.com, all you need is a computer and a printer. You can find the best rates to send whatever you need, whether you're doing a full-blown warehouse, whether you're sending out a few times a week. It doesn't matter. Stamps.com has everything you need to get those services up and running. Stamps.com has been an indispensable partner for people running businesses for over 20 years, and they offer great rates like 40% off of USP and over 70% off of UPS. Stop overpaying for shipping with Stamps.com. You can sign up now with the promo code MURRELL, M-U-R-R-E-L-L, for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale, no long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code MURRELL, M-U-R-R-E-L-L. And I want to thank Stamps.com for sponsoring today's show. So let's get started and look at the weekend box office. And number one was Uncharted with a pretty good hold in its second week. Dropped less than 50% for a big movie like Uncharted. That's pretty good, especially considering that we are not fully out of the woods as far as the box office goes. Dog stays in the number two spot with a 32% drop off. Again, a really good hold, just over $10 million. Spider-Man No Way Home stays in that number three spot, just a 23% drop off from its performance last week. It is now looking at that potential $800 million mark. So we will see how that holds up, especially against the Batman coming up this weekend. Death on the Nile in fourth place with a 31% drop and another $4.5 million. And then Jackass Forever in the fifth spot. Something kind of unusual for the box office, and I think it's because we have kind of a shallow box office pool right now, is that the second, third, and fourth place films this weekend all added theaters. Usually you're seeing films shedding theaters, but I think because there aren't as many movies out right now, theater owners just looking to maximize their profits. And it's a good thing that they might be looking to do that because looking at this weekend's box office, again, we are well below the pace where we were in 2019, although again, as you see, well above the pace that we were last year at this time. However, we should see a spike 
coming up this weekend with the Batman that takes us above that blue line of 2019. So we will, for the first time, uh, bypass the 2019 box office. And as you can look at that orange line for uh, last year, 2021, it took us until the 51st week of the year with the release of Spider-Man No Way Home to do that same thing. So that is going to be a, a, a milestone for the box office this weekend. And of course, the thing that's going to be driving that growth is the Batman. So let's take a couple minutes and just look at the potential for where we think it might open. Let's look, first of all, historically at the Batman franchise. These are the top five films. I did include Joker. Some people include it. Some people don't. I did not include it in my countdown of the live action and animated feature length Batman films, which you can find right here on the channel. And as you can see, unless there is a catastrophic failure uh, with the Batman, it is going to be one of the five biggest Batman franchise openings domestically. You see number five there, the Lego Batman movie with just over $50 million, and then a big gap with Joker coming in at $96 million, The Dark Knight at $158 million, The Dark Knight Rises at $160 million, and Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice at $166, which is currently the highest opening weekend for a Batman film of all time. However, if we're going to put it in kind of historical perspective, if you adjust for inflation, these are the top five Batman numbers. You start with Batman Returns at $99.1 million, followed by Batman Forever at $109 million. I think at that time it was the highest grossing opening weekend of all time. Then Batman v Superman with $172 million, The Dark Knight Rises with $182 million, and The Dark Knight at number one with almost $200 million. So the question for a lot of people is, where is the Batman going? to fall. One thing that it does have is a very long runtime. It's close to a three-hour long movie. That prohibits the number of times that a theater can show a movie. It may prohibit the number of times that uh, fans will go to that movie during opening weekend. Um, there have been, I, well, I've seen a lot of projections. There are projections as low as $80 million. There are some into the 120, 130 range. I don't really know where it's going to go. Of course, I vastly underestimated what Spider-Man No Way Home was going to do. Looking at the early reviews, I don't read a lot of them. I don't look too much into others' reactions before I do my review. I am going to see the movie tomorrow night at the special IMAX premiere, fan premieres that they're doing tomorrow night. So I'll have my review of the movie, the non-spoiler version, up here uh, late tomorrow night slash early Wednesday morning. But from what I've seen, it looks like they're generally positive reviews, although, you know, not Dark Knight positive, but generally positive reviews. I'm going to put Batman in the, or I should say the Batman, you have to be sure, uh, careful with your articles these days. I'm going to put the Batman in the low hundreds. I'm going to say that we're going to see some enthusiasm when we look at the opening weekends kind of in the post-April 2020 era. I don't want to say post-pandemic because unfortunately I don't think we're quite there yet. You can see that Eternals is the fifth largest with 70 million, followed by Shang-Chi at 75 million, Black Widow at 80, Venom Let There Be Carnage at 90, and then of course that huge jump with Spider-Man No Way Home at 260 million. I've got to think that the Batman is going to draw more people uh, at a safer time for theater going. A lot of the restrictions as far as masking have been adjusted for many parts of the country. Uh, I'm going to say that it's going to draw more people than a Venom sequel did at a time when there were more restrictions uh, as far as theater going. And I think that there were far fewer people that were ready to go to theaters. So I'm going to put it in the low hundreds. Wouldn't be surprised if it overperforms. Certainly would not be surprised, especially as we get what the fan reaction is to the movie uh, as far as the critical reaction. 
the only thing holding me back from going further would be uh, just the length of the film itself. The fact that, you know, there's word that it could be a bit of a different tone, so perhaps that might mix the reactions to some folks, but low 100s is where I'm going to project the Batman, uh, but I'm also going to be giving it a big ceiling uh, because, as always, you can't measure enthusiasm, and if people really love this movie, then you can see it excelling and surging throughout the weekend. Let's look now at this weekend, instead of looking at this upcoming weekend, for the per-theater averages, and there was a classic film. That was number one in the per theater average. It was The Godfather in 156 theaters. There's a 50th anniversary re-release of its uh, 4K restoration ahead of that uh, all being issued on 4K and digital uh, and physical media uh, later this year with $6,218 per theaters. That was number one. Uncharted, still the bridesmaid. It was not the top uh, per theater getter last weekend. It wasn't again this weekend, but it was still number two with $5,400. Then The Automat, which was the number one per theater movie last week with $4,555 in three theaters. It goes from one theater to three. Dog is in fourth place and Spider-Man No Way Home spending yet another week in the top five when it comes to per theater averages. Looking now at limited release, so these are films that are in 1,000 theaters or fewer, sometimes called the specialty box office, and maybe the last of the big Oscar contenders to be released this year, Cyrano, in 797 theaters, made $1.4 million. There was a lot of Oscar buzz about that, and it picked up, I think, one or two nominations. Did not pick up anything for Peter Dinklage, which was what a lot of people were expecting, but releasing very late in the awards show uh, calendar, the awards show schedule, even though that it was had a limited release or a release that made it eligible for this year's awards. The Godfather at number two with its gross, the worst person in the world, and third place. It was the reigning champion for the past couple weeks. It drops down to third with 421000 As always, uh, Shorts TV uh, puts out the Oscar-nominated short films uh, on demand and also in theaters, so the live-action short films grossed $400,000 in 355 theaters, and then Drive My Car, ahead of its debut on HBO Max this week here in the U.S., grossed $148,000 in 162 theaters. This is the most vibrant we've seen the specialty box office in quite some time, largely because of the award season and so many different things out there. But it's good to see big numbers like that. And I actually have a new chart. Ring the bells, whatever. Uh, Call the papers. Nobody cares. Uh, But there is going to be a new chart, and it's, uh, again, suggested by you. I love reading your suggestions. I do read what you comment, so, you know... Just know that. Um, But I do read what you comment, and I saw somebody uh, suggest, and then it seemed to get a lot of support, the idea of a chart that that tracks every year, not just the top 10 grossing films at the box office, but the top 10 grossing films in the limited release box office that play in 1,000 theaters or fewer. And I actually thought that was a really good idea because it does put a spotlight on a lot of different films that perhaps would not uh, get that spotlight otherwise, or perhaps would be just a fleeting uh, mention one week for a per theater average or something. So we are now going to debut the top 10 list for the limited release films for each year. Now the rules are that it has to be in 1,000 theaters or fewer. So if it opens, like Cyrano did for example, this week in 1,000 theaters or fewer, then it'll be on the list. But if that movie ever goes above 1,000 theaters, 
then it will be off the list. So for example, La La Land a few years ago opened to a huge number in limited release in a handful of theaters. So it would be on the limited release chart uh, for a few weeks, but once it hit wide release, it would go off of that chart and you can't get back on the chart uh, once you've been taken off of it. So this is a chart that you'll see a lot of fluidity in. There will be some movies that go on and off of the chart. Belfast would have been one of those for last year. But this is what the chart would have looked like last year, the final chart. The number one film that stayed in limited release was the documentary Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain with $5.3 million. Then a pair of films out of India, 83 and Suryavanshi at numbers two and three. Then Nicolas Cage's Oscar hopeful film Pig. Minari, which did win some Oscars, and was nominated. Meet the Blacks 2 at number 6. Lamb from A24 at number 7. The Card Counter at number 8 starring Oscar Isaac. Summer of Soul, which is a documentary that a lot of people are putting as the odds-on favorite for this year's documentary feature prize. And then Anthony Hopkins' Oscar-winning turn in The Father at number 10 with $2.1 million. So what does 2022 look like as far as limited release films? Well, let's take a look. At number 1 is The Worst Person in the World, which has grossed $1.8 million in limited release. Cyrano opens at number two, so if it never expands to uh, more than a thousand theaters, then it'll probably take over that number one spot followed by the re-release of The Godfather at number three. The Beatles Get Back, the rooftop concert, which was an IMAX exclusive, is at number four with $900,000, followed by The Tiger Rising at number five. Aline at number six. The Oscar-nominated shorts, the live-action shorts at number seven. Clean at number eight with $318,000, followed by Sundown at $229,000, and the documentary Who We Are, A Chronicle of Racism in America at number 10 with $200,000. This is not a chart where you're going to see a lot of huge grosses. As you can see from last year, the number one film, Roadrunner, made just over $5 million, but you are going to see a lot of films that are in Oscar contention, and uh, and as always, I really love that people engage with the show enough to make suggestions. I love to take your suggestions, and uh, this is going to be a fun new thing for me to do every week, so it really benefits everybody. Uh, so those are the new, I should say, that is the new chart tracking the limited release box office. Let's go back to worldwide box office and we'll look at what were the top five international films. So these are all films outside of the domestic market. Uncharted at number one with 35 million, followed by The Battle at Lake Changjin 2 with 10.9 million, Death on the Nile with 10.6, Too Cool to Kill, at 9.3 and then Sing 2 coming back on the charts with 8.4 million and then when we combine the international box office with the domestic box office we get the worldwide box office and the number one film in the world yet again is Uncharted with another 58.2 million dollars so a good performance for that film so far Death on the Niles at number two with 15.1 million Spider-Man No Way Home comes back on the charts with 12.7 million Dog with 12 million and The Battle at Lake Chungjin 2 at 10.9 million so we see a lot of the uh, older films and Hollywood films coming back because that huge wave of box office from the Lunar New Year uh, celebrations in China sort of dying down and we're seeing sort of the last uh, vestiges of these box office runs from a lot of these other films worldwide. I want to take a moment to thank another one of our sponsors for today's show, and you have heard their name on Charts with Dan as well for the past few weeks, and that is Athletic Greens. 2022 is a big year for me. I'm focusing on my health in a lot of different ways, and one of those is focusing more on what I'm putting into my body and something that is very easy to do for me 
every day is to use athletic greens. It's one scoop, you can put it into a cup of water, or you can do what I do, which is to throw it into a smoothie with some fresh fruit, some yogurt, some ice, you name it. But it doesn't matter what you put athletic greens in because it has an element that's especially important for me when we're talking about something I'm gonna drink every day, which is that it tastes good. I know you've probably tried some of this other stuff, either it's a powder or it's a bunch of different supplements that you're trying to gather. It's a hassle, a lot of it doesn't taste great. Athletic Greens has everything you need in one convenient scoop. It's got vitamins, it's got probiotics. It doesn't matter what you're trying to focus on. For me, it's gut health. It's something that I've been focusing on really for the last year or so and still want to continue to get better at. Athletic Greens has so many great things in it. There's a reason that they call it nutritional insurance because it is committed to getting you the maximum amount of stuff that your body can actually absorb. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient, healthy nutrition. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com Dan. Again, that's athleticgreens.com Dan, D-A-N, to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And I want to thank Athletic Greens for sponsoring today's show. Let's look at the 2022 box office domestically thus far, and Uncharted is the new domestic champion for uh, perhaps one week. If the Batman opens where I project that it will open, then Uncharted will have a very short reign at number one. However, if the Batman opens on the lower end of some estimates, then Uncharted will have a reign that's a couple days longer. Um, but Uncharted at number one with $83.3 million domestically, that drops Scream down to number two with $79.2 million. Jackass Forever stays at number three, followed by Death on the Nile. Dog jumps up two spots to number five. It's now made over $30 million. Marry Me stays at number six. Moonfall drops two spots to number seven. The 355 stays at number eight. Redeeming Love stays at number nine. And Blacklight stays at number 10. Looking at the worldwide chart for 2022, the number one film, of course, remains The Bad Out Lake Chung Jin 2. It has now crossed the $600 million barrier worldwide, followed by Too Cool to Kill at $377 million. Uncharted jumps up two spots to number three, now at $226 million. That drops Nice View and Boonie Bears Back to Earth, both down one spot. Scream stays at number six. Death on the Nile drop, jumps up three spots to number seven. Only Fools Rush In drops down one spot. Sniper stays at number nine. And Another Me drops two spots to number 10. And looking at the previous 365 days worldwide, and we'll keep doing this chart uh, unless and until it just becomes the 2022 worldwide chart, you can see in the last 365 calendar days, Spider-Man No Way Home, still the number one grocer by double uh, the number two film with $1.8 billion. The Battle at Lake Changjin at number two with $913 million. No Time to Die at number three, followed by F9 at number four. The Battle at Lake Changjin two, at number five, Venom Let There Be Carnage at number six, Godzilla vs. Kong at number seven with 468 million, although it has been on the chart now for 341 days, which means uh, in a little over three weeks it will cycle off of this chart. Uh, but it looks like Godzilla vs. Kong will stay on this chart for a full calendar year. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings at number eight, Eternals at number nine, and as you pointed out in an oversight for me last year, uh, this, or so I should say last week, this should have been the number 10 movie, which is 20. 
2021's Dune with $400 million after 166 days on the chart. So a strong showing in the last 365 days for films that are coming out of Hollywood studios or that are out of uh, co-productions with Hollywood. So a a nice comeback that we're seeing from a lot of these films in the post-2020 era of movie going. Before we look at the streaming charts, I always like to do a little flashback to another weekend in box office history, and there was a new Medea film that just debuted on Netflix, Tyler Perry uh, reviving the character for streaming, uh, and this has been a very lucrative weekend for Tyler Perry. Many Medea films have premiered on this weekend, including the very first one back in 2005, January 25th through the 27th, Diary of a Mad Black Woman. The first film to feature Medea theatrically was the number one film with 21.9 million, followed by Oscar Frontrunner, won the SAG Award last night, Will Smith in Hitch in its third week with 20.4 million, Constantine in its second weekend with a $12 million gross, and then two new films, Wes Craven's Cursed at number four, which debuted with 9.6 million, and then a movie that exists because there's a poster and it's got that red text on the white background of every comedy made from 2000 to pretty much the present. Tommy Lee Jones in a movie called Man of the House? Sure. It debuted at number five with $8.9 million. Tommy Lee Jones family comedy. Not the, uh, not the not a phrase that you hear thrown around a lot these days. Before we go, as always, I like to look at the streaming charts to see what people are watching at home. And we will start with Amazon at number one. Uh, the rental window has opened for the Kurt Warner uh, film American Underdog, the biopic. It is number one, followed by Free Guy. Ghostbusters Afterlife is number three. The rental window for House of Gucci is open. It opens up at number four on the Amazon charts, followed by Kingsman, The Secret Service. Sing 2, still on premium video on demand. They are raking in that money. Spider-Man Far From Home at number seven. Still Water returning to the chart at number eight. Old at number nine. And Encanto at number ten. When we go over to the iTunes store to see what people are getting through their Apple devices, House of Gucci opens at number one, available for for both purchase and rental on the iTunes store. Dune is at number two, American Underdog coming onto the chart there at number three, Ghostbusters Afterlife at four, The Kingsman, the rental window as well as the purchase window now open, it's at number five, followed by King Richard, also now available for rental at number six, No Time to Die is at number seven, The Lost Leonardo, which is a documentary, uh, was available as a 99 cent rental so that was good for number eight on the chart venom let there be carnage at number nine and then the naomi watts film the desperate hour at number 10 and as always we will wrap out by what people are watching on netflix we'll start with the hours watch metrics that netflix now releases for the week of february 14th through the 20th we'll look at the global numbers and the most watched netflix movie Globally, for the week of the 14th through the 20th, was The Tender Swindler with 34.4 million hours watched in its third week of release. It was able to hold off a Netflix original, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Did not debut at number one, comes in at number two with 29.1 million hours watched. Followed by Tall Girl 2. It's a very complicated premise. It's about a girl who's very tall, and it's a sequel. So it's called Tall Girl 2, 21.7 million hours watched. Fistful of Vengeance, a new film uh, with 18.3 million hours watched, making its debut, followed by the original film Love Tactics, Through My Window at number 6, Despicable Me 2, and The Minions at number 7. And then a few new additions to the chart, Abominable at number 8 with 8.9 million hours watched, the Netflix original Big Bug 
at number nine with 8.1 million hours watched, and then St. Vincent starring uh, Bill Murray, which is actually a, a pretty good little movie. I'm glad that people are, are catching it on Netflix at number 10 worldwide with 7.6 million hours watched. Looking at the most watched series globally on Netflix, Inventing Anna is yet again the most watched global series with 195 million hours watched. All of Us Are Dead with 62.1 million hours watched. If you didn't see, my spoiler and non-spoiler review for that show came out last week. You can check it out right here on the channel. I quite enjoyed that show. Love is Blind Season 2 at number 3. Café con Aroma de Mujer Season 1 still on the chart for the 8th week at number 4. Sweet Magnolia Season 2 at number 5. Season 2 of the show Toy Boy is debuting on the chart with $23.8 million, followed by Dark Desire Season 2 and then Season 1 of Toy Boy at number 8. The Italian series Devotion Season 1 debuts at number 9. And then Ozark Season 4 Part 1 rounds out the chart at number 10. And then when we look at the top 10 most-watched films on Netflix in the U.S. for the same week, at number 1 was Texas Chainsaw Massacre, so not number 1 globally, but number 1 here stateside. Despicable Me 2 at number 2. St. Vincent at number 3. The Tender Swindler at number 4. Black Hat at number 5. Probably the most number of people that have ever watched Black Hat in one week, and that includes when it came out in theaters, uh, because nobody saw that movie. Tall Girl 2 at number 6, Despicable Me at number 7, Fistful of Vengeance at number 8, The Hangover at number 9, and then Last Man Down at number 10. And then finally, the 10 most watched series on Netflix in the U.S. Inventing Anna is at number 1, Love is Blind Season 2 is at number 2, Sweet Magnolia Season 2 is at number 3, followed by Ozark Season 4 Part 1, All of Us Are Dead at number 5, Raising Dion Season 2 at number 6, Genius, a Kanye trilogy, the first installment of that. I was surprised, even though it's just one entry, so it's not a multiple episode thing, I still thought it might chart a little bit higher. Uh, but it opens at number 7 on the Netflix chart. Maybe more people will watch it as uh, the extra installments are added. Sweet Magnolia Season 1 at number 8, Catching Killers Season 2 at number 9, and then a new entry, The Cuphead Show Season 1, animated show at number 10. And that wraps us up for charts. Like I said, a little bit abbreviated, and I may have rushed through it a little bit more than usual, but like I said, I want to make sure that I get the show out uh, before we head out to the awards. You can follow the HCA at HCA Critics if you want to see who the winners are. I'm very happy to be a part of this organization. We've also launched alongside CARE a GoFundMe for the Ukraine Crisis Fund, and you can find that link down in the description below. Uh, you know, this is a show about box office and about movies, and there are far more important things happening in the world uh, than both of those things. This is my little corner of the world, but I also have to recognize that there are far more serious things that are also happening, and um, there is a lot of suffering, needless suffering, and pain going on right now in Ukraine. So uh, if there's anything that you can do to help support or assist what's happening there, and there's some truly atrocious things happening right there, I do encourage you to do that. Uh, it's not that we shut the outside world out here on the show. It's just that you know we are one little corner of a very big and sometimes very scary world. But I certainly stand uh, on a personal level in Mara as well with the people of Ukraine um, against what is happening there. And uh, I think what everybody can do is hope or pray or send great wishes or do whatever you do uh, for a swift resolution there uh, to end the suffering of so many uh, with the invasion that's been happening over the last week or so. Thank you so much for watching. Stay safe out there, and I'll see you next time.